in Philippians chapter number 3 this morning. Philippians chapter number 3. And as you're turning there, have you ever stopped to think about the warning labels that we find on products today? You know, it seems like uh, everyone has got a warning label of some type on whatever product they're trying to, to sell. And it seems that just because uh, people are misusing products today, you have to put a warning label on it just to protect them from being sued. Uh, let me just give you a couple of examples here. There's a Batman costume for little kids that says, Parents, please exercise caution. Bold letters for play only. Mask and cape are not protective. Cape does not enable user to fly. And this is, serious. this is what was put in that package. Uh, a Nitol sleeping medication bottle has a warning that may cause drowsiness. I hope it does. Uh, the Razor scooters have a warning that says, warning, this product moves when used. Another warning label that says, seated on a jet ski, actually, it says, do not use open flame or lighter to check fuel level. You'll find out real quick, I'm sure. I've seen it on there. Um, a package of brass fishing hooks that gives a warning that can be harmful if swallowed. If only the fish could read, right? Pepper spray says, warning may cause eye irritation. These seem comical, but yet they're on there for a reason to give a warning. And this is exactly what Paul is trying to, to, to show the church here. To give them a warning to the church at Philippi. Again, there are different types of warnings, different things that we need to see. But he was trying to warn them about false teachers. There were people that were coming uh, back to the, the, the city of Philippi there that was trying to, to teach other beliefs and doctrines that were against what Paul had been teaching. He was trying to tell them, be warning and be aware of those that are trying to add works to salvation. Again, we have salvation by faith, through, uh, by grace through faith. He was saying, don't let them add works to our faith-based salvation. So as we come to chapter 3 this morning, I've titled this message, A Woeful Warning. A Woeful Warning. Let's look here at Philippians chapter number 3, beginning in verse number 17. It says, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping. That there are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. This morning, let's notice four things from Paul's warning to the church here in Philippi that we need to be aware of as well. Just four simple things. Uh, seems simple, of course, but putting it into action could be a little bit more difficult. But let's look here uh, at what he has given us. Four warnings, uh, but let's pray, and then we'll get started this morning. Lord, again, we do thank you for the opportunity to be able to freely come together this morning to meet, to worship you, to sing your praises. Lord, to be able to Open up your word, read it for ourselves, and to study it. And Lord, I pray that you would again allow the Holy Spirit to show us what it is we need to change in our lives. Lord, I know I need to change things. I know I need to, to do some things 
closer to what you've given us in your word. And I pray that you would help each one of us have that same idea and that same attitude, Lord, to be faithful to you. Lord, I ask that you would just speak to hearts this morning as only you can. Draw us to you. Show us what it is we need to change and do better. Lord, I love you. I do thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for those that are here this morning. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We find here the Apostle Paul, again, uh, gives us, in chapter number three, a heartbroken response for those who had not heeded to the warnings that had already been given to him. So let's, uh, again, look at verse number 17 again. And we see the precautions to the saints, the precautions to the saints. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. We see the first word here, brethren. This is not just a general warning given to everybody, but it's focused to those of us who are saved, the brethren, the saints of God, saved believers. Hey, uh, let me get your attention is what he's saying here. Pay attention to what's going on around you. Paul had been around the block a few times. He had saw how these other believers were manipulating different things, these other so-called religions, manipulating their ideas and thoughts and trying to get people to follow them. He was trying to give them a warning of what was going on. He was trying to, to, to set them up for success, if you would. Paul was not trying to establish him as the leader. He wasn't saying, hey, look at me. I'm the apostle Paul. I'm great. I'm wonderful. You need to follow me. You need to do everything I need to do. That's not what his intent was, as he was saying, let's follow together. It was something that he was saying, let's join our forces together. Let's join our minds, our bodies, our hearts together. Let's do the same thing so we can focus on God and follow him. This is a consistent statement that we find throughout Scripture from the Apostle Paul. Again, if you would go back to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 1, which is our memory verse this week. Paul said, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. He wasn't saying, hey, follow me and do what I'm doing no matter what I do or what I say. It's okay, just follow me. He wasn't trying to set that up in his life. He was saying, hey, uh, let's follow Christ. And if you're paying attention and you're watching me and I get off track, if I go the other direction, if I'm not doing what the scriptures command us to do, then, hey, stop. And that should be our idea mentality for anybody and everyone. If they're not following scripture, then something is wrong. This means we've got to understand and know Scripture more. This puts a burden on Paul uh, and the followers he was with that they had to understand Scriptures more. They had to study for themselves. They had to see for themselves. Is he following God or is he following himself? Is it something he came up with? Is it something he thought of? Or was it God? And again, it's important that we understand that we are to follow what Scripture has given us. That means we've got to get back into the Bible. We've got to understand what it says. We've got to study it for ourselves. To know if we're going down the right path. Some easily get swayed by some of these so-called Christians out there. That uh, again we don't take time to study what they know or what they believe. But they sure sound good. Oh they sound like they've got everything worked out and figured out. I'll just follow them. We need to be careful of that. We need to make sure that uh, we examine them according to scripture. I can't stress that enough to, to follow what the Bible says. We need to study to know to to make sure we're addressing and looking at the idea of what's been said. Uh, we've got to stop and understand the scriptures that they're using. What dispensation was it referring to? What era? What time frame? What was the culture of the people of the time? There's a lot of things that we've got to look at while we're studying scripture that is applicable and not just something that we could just have a simple read. 
Now, there are some scriptures that are very easy to read and we understand and we can get the meaning from it. But there are times people will use things out of context and try to draw others away from what the Bible says. And this is why it's important. The Bible says to study to show ourselves approved unto God. It doesn't say just read through it. So knowing that, understanding that, we can get a better understanding of what God is trying to show us and what we need to know. Again, this is why it says we are to follow together. We are a local New Testament church. We study Scripture together. We learn together. We lean on one another as we go through life. And when questions come up, when people have different ideas or, or different thoughts about Scripture, we can come together and talk about it. We can study it together and see what the Scripture says. And it's important that we do that. It's important that we get back in the Word of God, but we can help one another continue to advance for the cause of Christ. Paul goes on to mention that we are to focus on the examples we have. Paul had already mentioned sending Timothy and Epaphroditus back in chapter number 2 of Philippians. But also, as you were to continue to read on in chapter number 4, you would see that he sends Yodius, Syntyche, and Clement, more fellow laborers of Christ that we can look at as an example so he was trying to give them, hey, uh, well, we've got more people coming. There's more people out there that are following Christ. You're not a lone ranger. You're not by yourself. And oftentimes there are people that may feel that way when they're trying to live for the Lord, that I, I'm the only one out here. It seems like I'm the only one. But there are others that we can look to. There are other examples that we can focus on. Who are the examples that you have in your life? Stop and think for a moment. Who are the men and women of faith that you look to for an example to help you as you're going through your Christian walk? Do you take time to understand what it is they fully believe? You know, there are people that we look at or, and watch on TV or that we hear on the radio that we may not know what it is they actually believe. Well, they sure, they sound good. Well, I've read something about them, so on and so forth. But do we truly know what they believe? And again, it's important that if we are to use them as our, an example, as a word to focus on, we better make sure that we understand what they believe. Do they fall in line with our own beliefs, our own doctrines? Or are they on some other path? Are they going some other direction? Notice Paul said to mark them. What does that mean to mark them? He says, those sh should be the ones you imitate. Those should be the ones that you are following. You should act just like they do. Why? Because they have given us an example. They are the ones that we are to follow and look at in our Christian walk and in our life. So this is why we must make sure that we examine them deeply if we're going to follow them, if we're going to uh, mimic what they do in our lives. Paul issues the warning, the precaution to the saints there in verse number 17. But secondly, we read that Paul shares the protection from strangers in verses 18 and 19. Look there again with me if you would. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. You remember growing up, I know when we taught our kids, when they were out and someone was around them or looking at them or trying to entice them, they had, danger, stranger, stranger, danger, stranger. You remember that saying? Yeah. That's the same thing what Paul was trying to say here. Stranger danger, hey! They're trying to teach something that's not right. They're trying to draw people away because they're not focused on Scripture. They're focused on self. As Christians, we need to learn to apply the same idea that Paul was teaching here to our own life because they are the enemies of the cross. This is not just a casual somebody that's uh, out there that doesn't look right or looks different than us. These are the actual enemies 
of the cross. Just because someone says they're a Christian today doesn't mean they actually are, believe it or not. I know it's hard to say that, hard to believe sometimes, but there's a lot of people out there today that say, yes, I'm a Christian, but yet they don't follow what the Bible says. They have no idea what Scripture says. If you look at different denominations and religions around the world, many don't follow the Bible, but yet they still want to use that identity as being a Christian. To be a Christian, you must understand that the Bible teaches about salvation. If you're not saved, trusting in faith in Christ's finished work on Calvary, then you cannot be called a Christian because that's the guideline the Bible gives us. This eliminates Catholicism, Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness, and many other so-called denominations because they are adding to their salvation. They are not following what Scripture says to be identified as a Christian Christ-like, following Him. Just because someone says, I'm a Christian, doesn't mean we agree on what the Bible teaches. We can hold hands and everything be all right. I'm not a part of the ecumenical movement. I don't believe that. The Bible tells us, can two walk together except they be agreed in Amos 3.3. So how is it this church and this church can walk together and everything be okay, but yet they have completely different thoughts and beliefs about what the Bible teaches? Everything is not all right. Everything is not okay. I can't believe my way and you can't believe your way and think we're all part of the children of God. That's not the way the Bible works. how we can serve and worship, how we can agree to disagree. Those things are not what we need to understand and believe. We've got to go back to what Scripture says. I want to be a biblicalist. I want to understand what the Bible says. And that's important when it comes to this idea of identifying who we are. Paul warned the church even to the point of weeping. Paul was saying, I've told you before, and I'm at the, now I'm at the point of tears hoping that you're going to listen this is more than just a warning label that the coffee is hot from McDonald's or wherever, or that fire burns. This was something that was, again, identifying the enemies of Christ, the ones that we have to look at that's going to pull us away from the one we say we love, the one we say we trust for our own eternal security. Many say there are Christians and that they love God, but they don't follow Him. They allow the traditions, the false beliefs, or whatever it is that they're looking at, instead of following the one true God. Again, this warning is so important that Paul was provoked to tears, trying to keep the people from following the wrong teachings. He goes on to identify them a little bit more specifically. He said, those whose end is destruction. These are the ones that were not saved. Their end is eternal separation from God. They didn't want to hear God. They don't care about God. They, they again... Turn their, their hearts and their minds off when things are mentioned about God. Satan has deceived them so much. And we get to see it more and more, I think, in, in our age today, how people have become cold to the things of God. They are distant. They don't want to hear about God. They, they don't care about what church does or anything else. They've completely got away from what Scripture teaches. They see the glitz and glamour of this life, and that's all they can focus on. What does the world have to offer for me, and what can I get? Paul says in verse number 19, whose God is their belly. This is not those that disregard gluttony, by the way, although it could be. But these are the ones that are more focused on themselves. It's all about me and what I want. No one else matters. Nothing else cares. It's about me. We are more of a society today focused on being selfish. 
We are more self-pleasing, self-adorning, and self-righteous than the mere mention of God providing anything or being praised is frowned upon. If it doesn't serve me and my own pleasures, then it's not worth mentioning because I am my own God. And that's the way our society has gotten. Paul even gave Timothy a warning about this. Look back over to 2 Timothy chapter 3, if you would. A few pages over. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Look with me, beginning in verse number 1. 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse number 1, it says, This knew also that in the last days perilous times shall come. That's dangerous times. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such, turn away. So again, he's given a warning there to Timothy as well. Turn away from those things. Get away from them. Don't allow them to pull you in. You know, we may think, well, I'm a Christian. I can handle it. But yet we get slipped in just a little bit at a time to where we're pulled away from God so easily. But this is a warning not just given to the church or not just given to Timothy, but for us as well. Don't allow yourselves to become saturated with this type of thinking, to focus on self, all the time instead of the Savior. If we neglect to recognize God as the omnipotent Lord that He is, then it brings us to those whose glory is in their shame, as he mentions. What did Paul mean when he mentioned whose glory is in their shame? This is the idea of things that were once done in secret are now done openly and praised by the world. We see this more and more in today's society, how things are becoming more and more open and everything's okay. We've got to be inclusive. We've got to accept all things, not according to the Word of God. Again, we've got to study it to know what it says. They think they don't care uh, about what others say. They, they don't care about what you think. I'm going to do what I want to do because I'm my own master. I'm my own God. I can do whatever I want. They have no regard for what is right or what is wrong because it's all about what they think they want. This brings about a false doctrine, if you would. I don't want to worship that way. I want to worship my way. I don't want to believe what the Bible says because I want to do what I think, and therefore I have my own interpretation and my own scriptures and my own ways. But we understand 2 Peter chapter 1, and verse 20 tells us that there's no private interpretation of scriptures. This is why we examine Scripture with Scripture. We go back and we study the Word of God that helps us understand more of what it says. When we read the Bible and we don't like what it says, it's not us that's wrong. Or it's not the Bible that's wrong, it's us that is incorrect. It's us that needs to be changed. Those whose glory is in their shame bring about false doctrine and they lead to fake gods. You study the Old Testament and see the nation of Israel as they would go around and conquer different lands. They would be bombarded with a variety of different gods. And there were times that they would pick up their worship. They would begin to worship these other gods because either one, they liked it. Or number two, the ones they loved or the ones they enjoyed worshiped that god. So they would fall right into that same trap. A fake god is more than just a statue of someone or something. A fake god can be whatever we put between us and the one and true God. This can be your spouse. This can be your child. This can be another family member. This can be a hobby, a job, a sport, or even self. 
But lastly, Paul mentions here those who's minded, those who minded earthly things. What is that talking about here? It's talking about those who entertain earthly opinions. Those who are more focused on the praise of others, their own popularity with a people that they feel are important. It's all focused on what other people see in me and what they think about me and how great I am. They want the pleasures and possessions this world has to offer instead of what God deems important. These are the warnings, the protections from those strangers who can draw us away from God. And as believers, we need to stop and focus on all that God has done for us and realize, number three this morning, the power of salvation. The power of salvation. As you look back in verse number 20 again. For our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, Paul was addressing the church at Philippi here. Their brethren, as 17, verse 17 indicated, <clears throat> we have a far greater power in Christ as believers than Satan does in this world. John chapter 16 and verse number 33, Jesus says, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye might have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We know how strong Satan's influence is on us and this world. And we see it every day. We see people get drawn away from him, uh, from where they need to be by this Satan and, and all that he has in this world. We battle it all the time. But thankfully, God's power is stronger. And we can claim that power. We can claim that victory. Think about our citizenship in heaven as a believer. Paul said, for our conversation is in heaven. This word conversation in this text means citizenship. If we could focus more on what Christ has done for us, what he has prepared for us, what do we get look forward to instead of what this world has, then it would become more distant of what this world is like. I'm not saying we're to disregard all the things in this life. And not be involved, but we should be more heavenly focused than worldly minded. As the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews eleven ten, For he looketh for a city which hath foundations, whose maker and builder is God. That's what we need to look to. That's what we need to focus on. That needs to be our mindset, focusing on heaven. And our citizenship securely settled in heaven, we should be looking for the coming of Christ. Again, verse number 20 says, From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you looking forward to the return of Christ? Are you looking forward to that day when uh, He will part the sky, the eastern sky, and, and call us home? Do we get excited about, maybe this is the day? How many times do we wake up in the morning thinking, Well, today may be the day the Lord comes. Maybe today will be the day that I can get out of this place. I can disregard this robe of flesh, and I'm going to be out of here. How many times do we pray like John did in the book of Revelation? Even so, come Lord Jesus. I'm afraid too many times we just disregard that. It's not on our minds. It's not where it needs to be for our focus of living this life. Prayer is something that will help us with that power. Prayer will be something that will help us focus on what God has for us. And because of the power that has been given by the Lord, we can look forward to the perfection of the saved, as we see in verse number 21. So point number four, the fourth thing this morning is perfection of the saved. Verse 21 says, Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. 
One day, those of us who have accepted the free gift of salvation will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ in our glorified bodies. As Paul said there, that we will be made like him. He said, fashioned like unto his glorious body. Man, I look forward to the day when I'm not going to have any more knee pain. When my back is not going to be hurting all the time. I'm not going to have to be worrying about uh, snoring too loud or being too tired. Those things are going to be passed away because I'm going to be in a new glorified body. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 52 says, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Man, I look forward to that day. What a wonderful thought that we can think about being changed like he is. Not only will we be made like the Lord Jesus, but he will mortify all things as well. Verse 21 says, he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. If you were to go back and look at 1 Corinthians again in chapter 15, verse 54 says, so when this corruptible shall put on incorruption and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. We get sin. We get victory over sin. We get victory over Satan in this world. We get victory over death in the grave. It all will be destroyed and we will be made perfect. That's what we should look forward to. That should be our excitement every day as we wake up. We get to look forward. Today could be the day. Today might be the time when the Lord will split the eastern sky and call me home out of this place. But in order to remember that, to to. To, to understand that, to, to draw closer to that, we've got to be back in the Word of God. We've got to study what it says and help us have that right mindset. So we have to ask ourselves, are we following as close as we can to what Scripture says? Are we doing what God wants us to do? Are we doing what it teaches? Do we pray and ask God for His strength, for His clarity in understanding Scripture? Well, these were the warnings that Paul was giving. These warnings were for the church at Philippi, but these warnings are for us as well. Are we heeding those warnings? I ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. Just for a moment, ask the Holy Spirit to grasp a hold of your heart.